falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever, ever done. I'll sing that again. Falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever, ever done. In his arms I feel protected In his arms I'm never disconnected In his arms I feel protected And there's no place I'd ever rather be Falling in love with Jesus Falling in love with Jesus Falling in love with Jesus Was the best thing I've ever, ever done Oh, let's sing it again now Falling in love with Jesus Falling in love with Jesus Falling in love with Jesus Was the best thing I've ever, ever done All is well All is well How many can say that this morning? We have heard the message Shalom All is well Morning, just raise your hands and worship. All is well.
What a wonderful memorial that is. We were up in uh, Virginia yesterday uh, visiting uh, Sister Sarah's dad and mom, and they live out in the country. And I just kind of got out at the, towards the evening there by myself and was walking out through the fields and uh, listening to the birds roosting. And I just happened to come up on a, a couple of doves and seeing those doves sitting there. They were watching me very intently, I guess, to see what I was going to do. But... It was just such a beautiful, peaceful sight, and I couldn't help but this song come to my mind. It's been a long time since I've sung it, but I just wanted to sing it this morning. On the wings of a snow-white dove, God sends His pure, sweet love, a sign from above. On the wings of a dove. had drifted on the floods many days he searched for land in various ways troubles he had some but not from above God gave him his sign On the wings of a dove On the wings of a snow-white dove God sends his pure sweet love a sign from above On the wings of a dove Jesus our Savior Came to earth one day He was born in a state in a manger of hay Though he rejected But not from above God gave us his sign On the wings of a dove 
On the wings of the snow-white dove God sends His pure, sweet love A sign from above On the wings of a dove I love this Although I have suffered in many a way I cried for healing Both night and day Faith wasn't forgotten By the Father above He sign on the wings of a dove oh on the wings of a snow white dove God sends his pure sweet love a sign from above on the wings of a dove oh let's sing it one more time Oh, on the wings of a snow-white dove, God sends His pure, sweet love, a sign from above, on the wings of a dove. Amen. I can certainly understand why Brother Branham liked that song so much. Sister, check in that database and see if that song, I'm Redeemed, is in there. Are you glad you're redeemed this morning? <clears throat> no, that's not the one. We've got to go back a little bit older. It might not be in here. <clears throat> I'm redeemed by love is divine. Well, it's not there. Let's, let's just go ahead and grab that uh, when the redeemed are gathering in. That'll work too. I'm looking forward to that. I've been redeemed. <clears throat> no, that's not it. <laughs> let's, let's just sing this. I am thinking of a rapture in that blessed home on high. Oh, in the redeemed. Are gathering in. We'll be old when the redeemed are gathering in. Oh, in the redeemed are gathering in. Washed like snow and free from all sin. How we'll shout and how we'll sing. When the redeemed are gathering in There will be a great procession over on the streets of gold When the redeemed are gathering in Oh, what music, oh, what singing, or oh, the city will be rolled When the redeemed are gathering in Oh, when the redeemed are gathering in Washed like snow 
and free from all sin. How we'll shout and how we'll sing when the redeemed are gathering in. Saints will sing redemption's story with their voices clear and strong when the redeemed are gathering in. Then the angels all will listen for they cannot join that song when the redeemed are gathering in. Oh, when the redeemed are gathering in, wash like snow and free from all sin. How we'll shout and how we'll sing when the redeemed are gathering in. Then the Savior will give orders to prepare the banquet board when the redeemed are gathering in. And we'll hear His invitation, come ye blessed of the Lord. When the redeemed are gathering in, oh, when the redeemed are gathering in, washed like snow and free from all sin, how we'll shout and how we'll sing when the redeemed are gathering in. Oh, one more time, oh, when the redeemed. Are gathering in, washed like snow and free from all sin. How we'll shout and how we'll sing when the redeemed are gathering in. Oh, hallelujah! My goodness, how we'll shout. How we'll sing, I can only imagine what it's going to be like whenever we get over there and and when our body finally catches up to what's actually happened and how our mind is going to feel when we know that we have no more pain, no more, no more sad news. It's just been a really difficult week for me. I'm sure many of you have probably felt it too with such tragic news that that came out of Texas this week it just I don't know it just it done something to me and I just you know I, in my human mind I just couldn't fathom just how how evil evil really is taste saints it's it's going home time it's going home time it's time to lay aside every weight whatever it is that's holding us back it's it's time to get out of here pressure's getting on we got uh, we're going to change the order of the service here and um, take our prayer request before the Lord I'd like to ask Brother Bill Walters if he'd be ready to take these good to have you with us this morning Brother Bill we want to remember uh, uh, Brother Richard and Sister Mary Smith uh, just keep them in prayer that the uh, uh, Lord will be with them and continue to touch them I'd like to ask you to remember uh my in-laws, uh, brother and sister, uh, Shepherd, went and visited them yesterday. Just like for you to remember them in prayer. Also, we want to uh, remember the Browns that's not with us today, and, and Sister Sherry. They're having the funeral for her brother, so let's remember them in prayer. We've got quite a few that's uh, away traveling today. We got uh, the Jacksons that's away, the Drums, 
uh, the McCafferty's and the, the Morliers, so we want to remember them. I know there's uh, many needs among us, unspoken requests by the raising of your hand. Amen. Let's sing that song. Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you cannot tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. He'll do for you what no other power can do. God in the river you think are uncrossable not any mountains you cannot tunnel through God specializes in things thought impossible He'll do for you what no other power can do. Kind Heavenly Father, gathered here to worship you, Lord. Just fill this house, Lord, with your spirit. Allow us to put all of our fleshly thoughts aside, the things that we need to do or things we experienced this last week, Lord. Just empty our minds of all this, Lord, and just focus on you and your word. And just fill us with your spirit, Lord, and fill your our pastor, Lord, with your spirit and the words to our heart, and we just uh, praise you, Lord, for all that you are in this time we live in now of Sodom and Gomorrah, basically, uh, the killings and all the evil things that goes on. It's it's a great time to be a Christian, Lord, and to be on a, in an oasis. We could just focus on you and not think about the cares of the world, and we just uh, uh, ask you to be with every heart, Lord, and May we walk differently as we leave the, the, after the service. And we just praise you and give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Sister Grace has got a special for us this morning, so if she'd be coming at this time and getting ready, we want to uh, welcome all of our visitors. We have a lot of visitors. It looks like Brother Bill has, has brought enough to have a, a congregation of his own this morning. <laughs> We certainly welcome all of you we got from Beaumont, Texas, Josh and Sierra Johnson and the family. Who might that be? Oh, we're certainly thrilled to have you. And we have uh, uh, from Navarre, Florida, Ashley James, Elizabeth Melvin and their children. I imagine that's all right here. 
And uh, we got uh, Keith and uh, Catherine, Catherine Cameron, which is uh, Simona and Jessica's family. And uh, we welcome everyone here. And uh, we had a lot of graduations this weekend as well, and we congratulate all of our our graduates and certainly uh, certainly proud of you all.
Sister Grace, for that beautiful song. Amen. I'd like to sing this song this morning. Y'all help me out with it. You pull that song up, uh, Stand By Me. As I was saying, I just was so deeply touched this week by, by the events. And I think if there's ever a, ever a time that we need Christ with us at all times. It's now. And uh, this is also my father-in-law's favorite song, and I'd just like to sing it for him. Y'all help me out with it. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, Stand by me When the world is tossing me Like a ship upon the sea Thou who rulest wind and water Stand by me Of tribulation, stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. When the host of hell assail and my strength begins. To fail, thou who never lost a battle, stand by me. In the midst of my faults and failures, stand by me. My friends misunderstand Thou who knowest all about me Stand by me In the midst of persecution Stand by me In the midst Stand by me When my cause 
undertake to stop my way. Thou who saved both Paul and Silas, stand by me. And when I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When my life becomes a burden and I'm nearing chilly Jordan, O thou lily of the valley, stand by me. Let's stand and sing that first verse one more time. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. Like a ship upon the sea, thou who rulest wind and water, stand by me. Amen. I know as long as he's standing by me, everything's going to be just fine. We'll have our ushers come at this time. We'll receive our morning tithing offering. Brother David, if you would bless the offering. Amen. Amen. Let's just sing this as Brother Barry comes to bring us the word this morning. Lord, your beauty. Lord, you're beautiful. 
is all I see. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds in me. Oh, let's just sing it again. God's house today. Welcome all of you today and uh, certainly a pleasure to be able to worship you together. And uh, I'd like to uh, sing a little chorus here as we uh, begin and go to prayer and uh, hear our prayer. Oh Lord, let's sing that and uh, let's just join our hearts together. We have a, a, an urgent prayer request that was just given to us um, concerning Brother David Farmer up in Virginia. And I don't know what the circumstance is there, but uh, he did have some health issues. He's a, a pastor uh, there, lives in um, near Marion, Virginia. Is that right? Uh, up, in that, up in that area. And uh, we, we've been asked to remember him in prayer. So hold your requests this morning, and uh, let's sing this together as we um, enter into his uh, courts this morning and enter into this part of the service now. Let's sing it together. Hear my prayer, O Lord. From the ends of the earth I cry. Your peace will lead me to rock that is higher than higher than I for you have been my strength mine enemies and Lord I will abide with you forever of your wings for you strength in times of trouble tower above mine enemies Lord I will abide with you forever in the shelter of your wings Heavenly Father we thank you for this opportunity we have this morning to come into your courts with praise and thanksgiving 
And Lord, we believe that you're among us. We believe, Lord, that you're very present. And you're also very present in a time of need and whatever it is that we go through. We're grateful, Lord Jesus, that we can come and lay our burdens and our cares before you. And we believe, Lord, that you hear us and you understand how things have come to where they are. And Lord, you have an answer for how things are going to come out. Lord, you're a God of solutions. You're a God of mercy. You're a God of second chances. You're a God who cares and a God who is able to do impossible things. And Lord Jesus, now today we bind all of our requests before you and bring them, Lord, uh, to your throne today. And Father, we remember Brother Farmer and Lord, uh, he's a man who served you many, many years. And now, Lord, it's our on our part, Lord, to bring his need before you today. And I ask that you would draw near to him and, Lord, touch his body, I pray, and his wife. And, Lord, their struggles this morning, we just place them into your care and believe, Lord, that you always have the best solution. We think, Lord, of Brother Donnie Reagan today, Lord, and the struggles that he's been through and the loss of his sister and, Lord, with his daughter Erica and the struggles and strain, Lord, that he's been under. We lift him before you this morning and ask that you'd be merciful and gracious, Lord, to him. I ask, O oh God, that you would bless this service. We thank you, Lord, for all of our graduates and all that's been accomplished. And now, Lord Jesus, we just bind this part of the service. We bind our hearts together and we give you, Lord, this time and ask that you would be gracious. And, and, and Lord, you would just speak and help us, I pray, to reconsecrate ourselves to you in a, in a personal way. And Lord, we just want to say, Lord, that we are blessed to be together. We are blessed to have good friends and family. And uh, Lord, we are uh, a people, Lord, who have been blessed more than we deserve. Bless the reading of the word and all that's done now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, if you will, and uh, let's have a reading here this morning before you're seated and appreciate your uh, patience and uh, just sounded so nice in, in uh, singing this morning. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Glad to have everybody here and um, all of our guests and visitors who are joining us today. And I don't know all your names, but glad to have you. We have a number of folks from our own assembly who are out, and uh, we certainly miss them. Good to have the males here and do sets. Uh, God bless you. Uh, always a pleasure to have them. And uh, may the Lord... Richly bless you all. Romans chapter 4, very familiar passage of scripture here about Abraham. In Romans 4.18, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That's a great testimony, isn't it? I remember now, he's an older person, right? Because he's, uh, he's come to a hundred years and uh, he staggers not at the promise of God. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he, God, was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed unto him. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. 
May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. We would like to uh, acknowledge Sister Tina Knobloch. Her birthday was last week. Their Knobloch's are not here. Uh, Sister Karen Buchanan's birthday is today, isn't it today? God bless you, Sister Karen. Good to have you with us today. Uh, Anastasia's birthday is the 31st, right? How old is she going to be? Four years old. (laughs) God bless you. Uh, The Stevens' anniversary is the 4th also, right? No, I'm sorry, the 31st, right? How many years, Brother David? 14 years. God bless you. Wonderful to have you with us. Uh, The McCafferty's anniversary is the 1st of June. They're away on vacation and uh, celebrating their anniversary as well uh, this week. And uh, June 4th is Jeremy Clayville's birthday, right? Jeremy Clayville has a birthday on June 4th. Let's go ahead and ask him. How old are you, Brother Jeremy? 40. 40, really? This is your 40th birthday? Wow, bless your heart. The journey is almost over then. (laughs) The journey is almost over. Not quite, but almost over. God bless you. We appreciate Brother Jeremy and all that he does and all that he does without anybody knowing uh, for our assembly here. We appreciate him very much. Uh, Lillian Joy has a birthday on June 4th as well. Lillian Joy is not here today. All right. Godwin, not here today. And... uh, we certainly uh, want to wish her a happy birthday as well. Now, we have graduates, and we appreciated the, uh, all the graduates that graduated. Uh, Manuel's not here. He and Brother Andy are away uh, today, and uh, also the wards. I didn't mention the wards. They're away today as well. Uh, but how many graduates do we have today? Let's see your hands. There. Let's not be ashamed of graduating. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, we have four of our graduates here today. Five. Five graduates? Madeline, did you graduate? Madeline, you didn't tell everybody that you graduated, but now you know, now we all know. Wow, Caroline Jackson also graduated. We'll get even with you. Um, well, that's uh, it's just wonderful to see all the uh, all of our graduates and all they've accomplished here. I think uh, I think uh, completing the the fields of study. I, I think it's a, a real testimony and a real accomplishment for folks and we appreciate uh, all of our graduates and pray that God will lead them and guide them in the uh, days that lay ahead. All right, now I have this uh, just before I came out, received this uh, message here from Malawi. Now this is in the very most southern part of Malawi and this is uh, the building, the warehouse that we're building over there in Malawi. And so this is the stage that they're at. And this week they say they'll finish all the bricklaying. And we uh, ship lots and lots of materials into Malawi because they uh, send materials out from there to several other countries. And so uh, this is kind of a central hub distribution place there. And uh, these uh, folks have been working diligently over there. And Lord willing, they're going to be finished soon. Uh, with the building and start uh, started an operation and then Lord willing in October I'll be going over uh, some of you are uh, planning to come I heard and, and that's great and uh, we're going to dedicate the building over there and uh, they're all very excited uh, about that but this morning they got together uh, at church which was uh, when we were still asleep 
and they sent us a message here today, and we're going to try to play it. They sent it in two parts, uh, so we may have to just do this in two parts here. I'm not sure how we've got it configured, but here we go. This is Brother Precious who's speaking here over on the, uh, over on the left side. This brother is, is very special to us, not just this church, Lucenza Bible Believers Church, but this country of Malawi and the surrounding countries, Zambia, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, South Africa, and so forth. We are happy that uh, God did not leave us alone uh, since he called Brother Lonnie Jenkins home. Uh, he left the baton with Brother Barry as a missionary to this country and many other countries. So we wish Brother Barry Kofi a happy birthday today. We are thankful to God for your life and we pray that he gives you long life and good health so that you can continue serving God the way you're doing. May God bless you, your family, your children, and the church. We are thankful to God for you because of the work that God has given you. We are praying for you always. We want to sing this little song, Happy Birthday, uh, in Thanksgiving for your life. Happy Birthday to you. Hold on, they're not done. Appreciated that and uh, appreciated uh, all the uh, kind words that were said yesterday. And uh, I wanted to just say this uh, that, uh, um, you know, it's, it's special to be able to have uh, folks around. And, and this, uh, this birthday obviously is a special one at 65. And uh, as I said on uh, Wednesday night, that uh, rumor got around that, and part of it was just because of humor uh, that I was retiring because I was 65. And uh, there's quite a distinction between a person who uh, has a normal occupation and someone who has a calling. And we who have a calling don't have, always have the luxury just to kind of walk away from what we're called to do. And uh, he who has called us has to release us from that. And... Uh, last time I checked, I'm not released, so I'm still going to be around, and uh, we, uh, we would cover your prayers as we move forward, because uh, the closer we get, the narrower things become, that's for sure. Now, uh, I want to, so today now, in, in honor of that, and because uh, we're doing things a little bit differently today, and we have a dinner 
afterwards for everybody who's here, and uh, uh, we appreciate that. But uh, what I wanted to do today was uh, uh, do a little recollection, uh, okay? So you can take your, as I've said to you a couple of times before, you can take your theological guns and just slide them back in your ecclesiastical holsters this morning. And uh, this won't be as much doctrinal as it will be personal, all right, for me. And uh, in times past, I've, I've uh, shared with you my testimony bound for glory. And I just clipped a couple of slides from that. I'm not going to do that whole story this morning. I'll tell you just a little bit. But uh, I, I will uh, just uh, share a little bit about this journey uh, that we've been on. And uh, I, I trust it will be a blessing to you. But this is going to be different, all right? Everybody, everybody say amen. If you got me, all right, so it's going to be a little bit different here. Now, <clears throat> let me start off and say that uh, two things that I wanted to say, and uh, this will be a bit of a lead-in, that uh, many people have asked me, and I have uh, been tied up uh, a fair bit over the last uh, couple of weeks here uh, with different things, but, and I haven't put out many reports or haven't updated folks here, but uh, one thing is for sure that you should not assume that the struggle in Ukraine is over. It is certainly not. There are, uh, there are real uh, issues that the believers who are left over in the country are, who are dealing with. Uh, there are struggles there. there uh, there's a supply of goods and materials and food is uh, dwindling. Uh, as a result of that, the prices skyrocket. And to give you an idea, a gallon of diesel or a gallon of gas over there is around $18 a gallon. Uh, so everything becomes more difficult as time goes on. It doesn't get any better. It gets more difficult. The people who are outside Ukraine also, uh, and they've been forced into a migration, and that's going to become important here uh, this morning, but the people who have been forced out because of war and their circumstances, uh, the reality of being outside the country is setting in for many of those people. So in other words, they're, uh, they're in a new land. And I, I've been in contact with some of the believers uh, from Ukraine who live in Norway now. They've been transported into Norway. I received a list yesterday of 13 families who are still in uh, Norwegian refugee camps or facilities where uh, they are being processed and uh, being uh, uh, registered with the Norwegian government and they don't have jobs yet, they don't have housing and they don't have any kind of funding and so they're still kind of there. Some of them are going through some difficult financial hardship even in a country like Norway and several of them are cramped in very small quarters, and it's been very difficult. And so we found out about that, and I got the list yesterday, so we sent them over $6,000 yesterday and dispersed it among uh, some of those families so that they could have funds to be able to use. And uh, the families who are outside the country, even though they're outside the scope of war, they're finding out that they live in a, a different country now, whether it's Poland or Germany or Norway or France or Italy. Uh, they are finding out that uh, this is a very strange environment for them. It would be like taking me taking you and uh, plunking you in the middle of Thailand, Thailand, and saying, here you go. We don't know how long you're going to be here, but here you go. You have no sense of who's who and what's what and the customs of the country. You have no idea about schooling and education, so you have to learn everything from scratch. Your kids have no friends. You have no relatives anywhere close by, and nobody around you speaks your language. And the reality of these people being out of the country, forced out, 
They've lost their jobs. They've lost their incomes. They've lost their savings. They lost their homes. They lost their businesses. They lost their possessions. They basically lost everything except what they could carry, which is a minimal amount of stuff. And now they're living in foreign countries where everything is strange and different. And so their struggles are very real. And uh, the process of... of, uh, uh, helping these people now is even more difficult because we have to find them where they are and where they're scattered to. And because they've been under oppression for so long and in fear, they don't want to tell much information about where they are. So if you've been hounded by the government and threatened, uh, your life's been threatened, you don't want to put your flag up and say, hey, we're here. So we, f- we have to find them, and we find them through the channels of believers knowing believers and knowing where this one went and where that one went and all their text messages and so forth. And uh, several of them are doing fine. They're out of the country and they have, uh, you know, funds or they have a church looking after them. But there's some that are out there that are uh, really struggling and hurting. So we're still involved in doing that. And uh, we appreciate the support that's given in order to accomplish that because it is quite a tedious job now. It's more tedious than it's ever been. And uh, it is a situation where they are forced into exile, if you like, forced out. And uh, it, it creates uh, quite a unique set of circumstances that they have to deal with. So don't think that it's over because other issues have jumped in and uh, sat on top of the headlines. Don't feel like that, that this has gone away. This is going to be a protracted uh, situation. Also, uh, with Brother Aaron, we've been in contact with people over there who realize that, uh, you know, this, this uh, truly is a long-term thing that they're going to deal with. And many of the people, if they could, they have told us they would love to go back to Ukraine where everything is familiar and they would be able to recover some of the stuff that they had before the war actually began. So uh, this, this thing could, uh, based on you know, the news reports that you hear, uh, could carry on for quite a while. So I need you to uh, continue to remember them in prayer. And for the folks that have been giving, we really do appreciate that because that's needed. And uh, it, is, um, it is a great blessing to those people over there. And I have a number of reports and testimonies that people have given me that I'm going to post here uh, again in just a little while. But uh, there is still... Uh, real fear in, uh, in the eastern side of Ukraine over there and then also the, uh, the other parts of Ukraine where they're trying to bomb to blow up uh, train tracks because that's a method of supply for the Ukrainian army. So having said that, I want to talk a little bit about this subject of migration and how believers move, all right? And I'm going to include my story a little bit in this whole subject of migration. So I want you to just uh, stay with me here and I was thinking a lot about this service today, and I was actually trying to find somebody to preach for me, uh, so I didn't have to do it. But uh, it fell my lot to uh, speak today, and uh, I'm glad, obviously glad to do that. But uh, when I began to think and pray about the service today, I, I, I thought it might be nice to uh, recollect some of the things that I've gone through in order to get me to where I am. Most people, as you know, they, uh, you know if they go through a 40-year work cycle, they, they tend to think about retirement and uh, you know, fading out of work and so forth. I, I find the opposite is true with ministry, that the more age you get on you, the more questions people ask you. And uh, that's not a bad thing, uh, but it, it, it just means that there are lots of, uh, lots of unique demands that are made for uh, the, the ministry as we, as we gain a little, of ex- a little experience. And people, uh, you know, want, want your observations or they want your thoughts on things. 
And so Brother Branham says in 1960, he said, may this little time of coming together not only be edifying for our souls, but may it be to enlighten us in such a way and inspire us till we'll go tell others. We have good news to give, so uh, may it inspire us to do that. And may, it be, may it be a time of rededication and uniting with the full body of Christ and being ready for the rapture. That's really what it's all about, right? That we get together and we're built up in the most holy faith, the most holy faith of the hour, until our bodies are changed. And that's what it's all about. And we, uh, to me, uh, the real ministry today is dedicated to that one thing. Whatever God's given you to use to uh, bring the body to the place of our bodies being changed, that's what we should use uh, for, the, uh, for the betterment of the body. Now, uh, Brother Branham uh, makes a couple of comments here, and I just want to include these very briefly here in the beginning where he talks about how that in the last days, and he prophesied of this, he, he spoke of this many different times, uh, because he knew he was coming into what he referred to as the third pole. And even though he didn't know really what the third pole was going to be, he knew there was another facet of his ministry that he had not experienced yet, and it was a depth of ministry that he had never known. And so he was moving into this, and he said, I believe that at the last days is when God's going to reveal these secrets to the church. These secrets are very specific things that were left uh, unknown. They were left, in, in a sense, dangling or hidden, if you like. The, the mysteries in the book of Revelation, specifically. And the going home of the body, the translation of the church, the resurrection of the dead, how it would all happen. And Brother Branham alluded to that in several different sermons. And he said... He hasn't done it before, and the reason he hasn't done it is to keep the church watching and praying all the time and not knowing when it was coming. So God did promise to do things in the last day, but he never told us exactly when, so he wanted everybody to be in expectation. But then he said, according to the Bible, the spirit of wisdom would come into the church to make known to the church by the revelation of the Holy Ghost and bringing the church in and revealing what day that we're living in. Aren't you glad you know what day you're living in? You're not at the beginning of a journey, you're at the end of a journey. Sister Faye, good to have you with us this morning. It is the ending of our journey, just the same as, and and this is a great statement, just the same as Gabriel came to Daniel, the Holy Spirit comes to the church in the last day to reveal these things to us. And uh, those things will change the bride forever. They'll change our understanding, and they'll change our uh, interpretation of the Scripture And they'll help orient us to know exactly where we are and how much time we have left. And it will also give us a different interpretation of your life and how God has brought you to where you are and where God's bringing you next. Are we okay? The only way you'll ever understand your life and what what all has happened to you and what all is happening to you is by the revelation of Jesus Christ that helps you realize you're a part of the program of God and the person of God. You're a part of that. You believe that this morning. Well, that was prophesied in Isaiah 11. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is speaking of Christ. And the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. And the Spirit of counsel and might. And the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, I told you to put your ecclesiastical uh, theological guns away. But just another screen or two here. Paul picks this up in Ephesians chapter 1, and he reconfirms the idea that uh, Christ came and this spirit rested upon him, but this spirit will also revisit the church in the last day and bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And as a result of that, the eyes of your understanding are going to come open. They're going to be enlightened. 
Everybody following? So this spirit as prophesied in Isaiah came and it rested on Christ because he was that branch. But then also that Paul said that in the last day, he said, when this, when this thing winds up, this is among the Gentiles he's speaking to. And this did not happen. It happened in part uh, in the early church, and it happened in part in every age. But in the last day, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would open up the whole thing, take the veil off. All right? And we would see clearly how things really are in the last day. All of this, all of this, and all God's program has happened to bring the righteous to where the righteous need to be. And I'll guarantee you that you're not where you need to be today. You may, you, you may be in the right church and you might be in the right suit and all of that because your wife told you to wear the right, that, that suit. But we are not in the right body. We're not in the right dimension. We're not in the right kingdom, physically speaking, right? We are, we are a part of this world and all that's associated with it, but we're on a journey from here uh, to there. And it is a migration of the people of God. It is a journey of the people of God. And uh, we have been uh, pulled into this journey. And this journey will not stop. This migration will not stop until every one of God's elect are on the other side in their rightful place in the kingdom of God. Amen. Glory to God. That's where we are meant to be. And that's where God is bringing us. I hope that makes sense. Now, in this journey... It says, the Bible says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. And I love this little word here. It means that he did not withdraw. He did not desert what God told him to do. Everything that God said to Abraham was not an easy thing to do, like offering uh, Isaac as his son and all the other things that Abraham had to do in his journey. But he, he, with, he did not withdraw. He did not desert the commission God gave him. He did not back away from that. Uh, he rather followed that fully with all of his heart. To stagger not also means to, uh, to separate oneself in a hostile spirit. He didn't get mad and walk away from God. He did, he, it means to oppose or to strive with dispute or to be at variance with oneself and to hesitate and doubt. And Abraham didn't do that. Matter of fact, Brother Manum taught us in perfect faith that Abraham believed everything the voice told him, everything the voice told him because he knew it was God. So somehow or another, Abraham could track back and know that everything that God had spoken to him was true and would come to pass. Even the impossible-like things like, uh, you know, him and Sarah having a child, that was totally impossible until God would have to bring it to pass. But Abraham trusted God. And there are things and there are situations and circumstances that uh, God has uh, promised us, that God has made, made ready uh, and available to us, made known to us, that may seem impossible, like the change of your body. And many of you have trouble changing anything about your body, right? But God has a promise in there that we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and then we shall be gone. Praise God, we shall be gone. He's going to take the living bride out of here without death, and we'll cross over into that kingdom. We don't know exactly when, we don't know exactly how, but we do believe it's going to come to pass, right? And we don't withdraw from that. We don't desert God's promises, and we don't walk away from uh, God's leading, because, hey, if God said it, it's going to come to pass. It's only a matter of when, not if. Now, for me... When, uh, you know, people look in, in, uh, when, when you look, if you did a little investigation and you went back through prison records and looked back in my life, uh, you would not see a person who was likely to, uh, you know, to be, 
uh, a candidate for the kingdom. This is my mom and dad, uh, 1951, on their wedding day, and uh, my dad actually asked my mom to marry him after knowing her only three weeks. And uh, so he was never a model for me in teaching courtship, for sure. But uh, we had, uh, there was uh, four of us kids, and uh, of course, I was the favored one of all of those four. But uh, this is the town where I grew up in St. John's, Newfoundland, and this is on the very, very east coast of North America. If you stood in St. John's today, you would be closer to Ireland than than you would be here. Uh, so it, it is very easterly, it's very cold, very windy, lots of icebergs, and, and uh, it's certainly an interesting place, and it was a, a, a community uh, of fishermen for most of, uh, most of my life, at least. And so I've gone through this story in, in Bound for Glory, you can look at it, we have the DVDs here, and all of that. But I, I just wanted to uh, show you that, you know, my, my childhood was a very normal one, and uh, came up through, but we were raised as a Catholic family, and we had no knowledge of Protestantism, period. We had no knowledge of the King James Bible. We had no knowledge of anything related to church ages. And as I told you before, I never knew, in all of my learning and schooling, I never knew the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. I never knew that there were two separate parts of the Bible. That's how ignorant we were of spiritual things. Had no idea whatsoever. And so my path led me, uh, not so much in a sanctified direction, but I was led in a, a path of, uh, you know, like, like all other students, all other university students and all other uh, people of that particular time and era, uh, went along with the crowd and did all the things that the crowd did and a little bit more besides. But in all of my years, I had this going for me. And that is this found in this quote here, where Brother Branham said, And as the eagle stirreth her nest, it's a pitiful sight to see a human being helpless and bound by sin. And that's what I was. Flopping around from beer parlor to beer parlor. That's what I was. Place to place. That's me. From amusement to amusement. Guilty. And trying to find satisfaction when God alone has the satisfaction that can satisfy them. God made a man to thirst after him. And the reason man has something in him to thirst is because God put that thirst in here. And that's the thing that I had going for me, is that God had put a desire in me for something real. And I mentioned this to you before. I didn't want to just grow up, get a job, live in the suburbs, have a station wagon and a dog and three kids and... Uh, you know, just grow old and die and have everybody go in the basement and eat, uh, you know, cold slaw and, and cold ham. And I thought, there's got to be more to life than that. There's got to be more, there's got to be more substance. There's got to be something more real. I had no idea what that was. I had no idea in, in, a, in any kind of a earthly or a spiritual sense what that was. I had no idea that uh, God was the thing that I was trying to attain to or anything spiritual, or anything related to the scripture, had no idea that that was what I was actually trying to find. But there was something in me looking for something. And I wanted to have uh, a life that had meaning. I wanted to be able to uh, die and people say, wow, you know, the world is different because he was here. Not that I wanted to have money or fame or anything like that, but I wanted to be able to do something of substance with my life. I believed I was put here for a purpose. Now, I thought it must have been maybe, uh, you know, a politician or uh, a teacher. or I thought it was something like that because I never do anything about being a believer or being a minister. 
And as I mentioned to you before, when I was uh, over in Greece, and uh, I, they asked me to do a map and put pins on the map of all the countries that I've been to, and I, I, I got almost through it, but I ran out of pins. Uh, so you'll see some of that today. But when I was living on a, a little island in Greece called Heraklion, was the name of the island I was living there, I met a guy who was from California, and he was a professor in some school over there. This is when I was in the world now. And I was talking to him about my life journey, and I talked about what I wanted to do in life. And he said, man, you ought to do an aptitude test, certain aptitude tests. And I said, really? He said, yeah. And uh, uh, he, I wrote down in my little journal what the name of the test was. So when I came back years later uh, to our town, I went to the university, and I said, can you get a hold of this aptitude test for me? I want to take it and find out what I'm supposed to be in life, because everybody wants to know. And when I took the test and they uh, brought me the results, uh, I, I looked at it, they handed me the results, and they said, this is unusual. But remember now, I'm still in the world, still doing drugs and all the other things associated with it. And they handed me the paper and they said, your aptitude, your inclination is to be either the president of the local chamber of commerce in your area or a minister. <laughs> And I'm like, really? And I just, I did this. I just, I just threw it out. I wish I had kept it, uh, because now I could show it to you. But I laughed at that. And everybody around me laughed. My mother laughed. And it's bad when your mother laughs over things like that, right? Because she's the one holdout who has a little confidence in things that happen to you. And anyway, I dismissed it. I, I didn't think anything more of it. But I, I, you know, I, I felt like in my in my heart maybe maybe the Chamber of Commerce didn't look so bad. You know that's that's kind of the way I looked at it. But I was I was a nonconformist. Uh, some people think outside the box, and some people wake up one day and realize there is a box. And that was like me. I never knew there was a box to think inside of. So as a result of that, I left all that I had, my scholarship and uh, to study anywhere in Canada, and all the other things that I had in family, and took a knapsack. I still had the knapsack and went around the world in the back of a truck. And the whole reason for that journey, the whole reason for that migration was uh, to find something real. And it took me, for, I was living over in British Columbia, over here on the very west coast, and then uh, it took me all the way to the other side of the world, and then drove back in the back of a truck with 24 other crazy people. And it took me to very unique places, and Lord's France and all the other Catholic shrines that we talked about. And uh, This is St. Peter's Rome's, the view from the roof there. This was my invitation in 1978 to have an audience with the Pope, and I did, January 11th. And uh, uh, this allowed me to experience, uh, you know, uh, many, many Catholic things, because that's all I knew. That's the only faith that I knew. And uh, it took me to the uh, nation uh, of... Um, uh, Nepal, where uh, the, the largest mountains in the world are, and uh, saw the roof of the world, saw the basement of the world, saw the off-scouring of the world, and uh, just kept traveling, and I was looking for something uh, that was real. These are the people that were on the truck with me over those years. And uh, we, uh, went in, in getting to know them and talking to them, many of them were doing exactly the same thing. They were looking for something real in their lives. And... Uh, I was, as far as I know, was the only predestinated one who was on that truck. This uh, journey took me through really unique places that you can't even go through now, uh, in places in, in uh, Afghanistan, places in Pakistan and Iran and across the deserts there. Uh, it was quite different. But when I got back home, 
uh, it was amazing because uh, I hadn't really found anything uh, more substantial on the trip uh, than before I left. And so uh, this, was, this was after it was all over and I was back home and I was thinking, wow, this is, this is really amazing that, uh, you know, I've been almost everywhere and seen almost everything and, and uh, came back with empty pockets. And in a sense, it was a pretty frustrating whole experience for me. And, uh, but nonetheless, uh, when I came back in 1979, uh, Brother Branham said this. He said that it's a pitiful sight to see. So that's the same quote here. He said, God made a man to thirst after him. And the reason man has something in him to thirst is because God put that thirst in you. So therefore, you can't satisfy it with the things of the world. You'll never be satisfied Till God takes that place. Now, I wish somebody had told me that quote a long time ago. Because I tried to fill that hole in my heart with everything on earth. And nothing could satisfy it, only God. And it's only when God takes that place on the throne of your heart do you ever feel peace and do you ever feel satisfaction and do you ever feel rest. The only, the only time you'll live without loneliness and the only time you'll ever live without unrest in your life is when Christ climbs on that throne in your heart and you allow him and there's a peace there that passes understanding and I'll tell you that's a very real thing so at the end of uh sorry at the beginning of December 1979 this was a photograph that was taken just before uh, my brother handed me the church age book and he had found out about the message and read an advertisement that was in the paper got a church age book and handed it to me and because I was doing exams at that particular point in time in university, uh, I only had time to read a little bit. And he knew that. So he said, listen, if you don't have time to read it all, read the introduction, chapter 1 and chapter 9, which is about Laodicea, and just read that much. And, of course, I did. I, I took the book and uh, read that it was right before exam time uh, in December. And when I did, I got to that part in uh, the book of Revelation where it talked about thou art neither hot nor cold, and because thou art lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. And, of course, that's when uh, I, the, that experience of this book now, it went from being a book to something that was very real that actually read my condition and showed me where I was. And I was lost as lost could be. And it was the first time I ever realized that. And I got on my knees and I just surrendered my life to Christ and everything, you know, took off from there, was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Brother Branham uh, says again, he says, I'd say, uh, I'd like to have a testimony of somebody who was saved by his grace. He's, he's talking about his church. And he said, everybody wants to say what they know about him. He said, if you've ever known him. Oh, there's something about it that you want to tell everybody because you know what you're talking about. And it's something when you have received Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit's come into your life, you know something's happened. For you was there and it was you that it happened to. How many can say amen? This is not something that we read about or something that we hear somebody else describe or something that, you know, Brother Branham alone went through. Not at all. It's something that you have received. Christ is your Savior and the Holy Spirit's come into your life and you know something's happened. For you was there and it was you that it happened to. 
And I'll have to say this, that by God's grace over the last, uh, over, over these years of ministry, uh, for me, it was not, it was not me holding me to that, uh, role of being a pastor and a minister and a traveler and so forth. Not me at all. I have to say it was the grace of God and the, and the keeping power of Almighty God that, that holds you and leads you and sustains you in the journey that you're on. It, it's, it's not your own strength and it's not your own ability that does that. It's Him. All the way through. And he says, they could not explain it away because, the, because that you know. You, you, you can't explain it away and nobody else can explain it away. Nobody else can say, well, you don't have experiences like that now. That was in the book of Acts. That's all they had uh, back then. And, uh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't occur now. It does occur, doesn't it? It does. God knows exactly where we are, knows how to find us. Take your Bible for a minute. This is not on the screen, but take your Bible and go to Acts chapter 8, if you will. Acts, the 8th chapter, for a moment. And this describes well the journey that, uh, that we find ourselves in. And I, I, I really uh, focused on this this week here. Acts chapter 8. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Now watch what he says here. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. And he arose, and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a priest, a, a, an authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself <coughs> unto this chariot. There's only two of them. They're in a desert place, right? And there's nobody around. It's just the two of them there. And this, this Ethiopian is on a journey. He's not converted but he's got a longing to know what's right and what's true. He's got a longing to know what's real. And he's looking at the right book, and he's asking the right questions, but he doesn't have the right solutions. He doesn't have the right inspiration here. So God put somebody in his path and explained to him what he needed to know for him to carry on and walk in the light of his hour. Are you following and this is exactly what God did. He placed Philip in the pathway of that journey. And I will say this, that I, I, that's, that's exactly where I was. You know, you're journeying along, whether it's in a chariot or whether it's in the back of a truck. It doesn't really matter, but you're journeying. And all of a sudden, you come to a place where you don't have an answer. You come to a place where your ability runs out. Your experience doesn't meet the need. That The resources you have don't give you the answers that you need. And all of a sudden, somebody shows up. And that's what God did in my life, that as you're, as you're moving along in a certain path, that all of a sudden, God is there, and he comes in a form that we're not expecting and gives you the thing that you're not waiting for, and it is the right answer for the need that you have. How many can testify a similar thing? It, it's, it's not on your agenda. It's not on your radar. It's not what you're expecting. But God does it. And for all of us, we have to remain open to whatever God brings. Because I have found, and I've experienced over the years, that uh, God shows up in many ways, many times in an unusual circumstance. And he will say unusual things to us. And it happens to be the right thing that we have need of. It'll be sometimes, you know, you experience a, a, a job change or a church breakup or problems in your home and people are dispersed and people are all of a sudden moving around. Like, you know, in the natural, in the sense, the, uh, you know, the, the problem that happened in Syria a few years ago or in Ukraine now. And now you have believers on the move. You have people that are moving around. They never expected that. They never planned for that. 
They never anticipated that they would be in different countries now, in different parts of their country, and all of life would not ever be the same again. I never expected that. But God all of a sudden will bring something in their path and uh, allow them to get the answer for what they need to move on. This is exactly what happened to the Ethiopian eunuch there. He's in a place where he's got the right book. He's got the right passage of scripture. He's reading about Christ and wants to know who this is and wants to know what part do I have? How does this relate to me? He wants to know that. This is, this is what's written in the scripture, but he wants to know what in the world does this mean to me? And it takes another member of the body who's experienced this himself to be able to say, this is Christ and this is what you need. And you know what? You're lost without it. And here's the steps you take. My, God is gracious. He's still gracious, isn't he? He still loves us enough to be able to bring somebody into our pathway. And I'll tell you what, whether you're raised in the message, you know, in other words, you're, uh, you, you grew up in a message church like this one, and this has been your only experience. You've not been in the world, not been in denominations and so forth. You still need to meet him in your journey and have him provide for you what you cannot provide yourself. You need to meet him and find that personal relationship with him that I can't give you. If I could give it to you, I would. If I could explain it all to you and have you satisfied, I would do it. I'd take my time to do that. But it takes a personal visit and a personal revelation and a personal experience with the living God in order for you to have that peace that passes understanding. And then, you know what? The world can say what it wants. And the world can do what it wants. And the governments can make decisions all they want. And China can plan all it wants. But you know what? You've got a peace that the world cannot budge. You've got a revelation that will hold you solid. And once that happens, your journey, in a sense, it switches to a different kind of journey. Because now we're on the path to a kingdom instead of just trying to find earthly peace. So for me... It was an ending of one thing and the beginning of something else. And this has been my motto. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. And by God's grace, he brought me to the right place. And so in Abraham's journey, he met God all along in different forms. And just as we are Abraham's seed, if we're in Christ, now we find that his royal seed, the bride of Christ, travels the same journey that Abraham did. That's quite a statement now. He says the bride of Christ travels the same journey that Abraham did. Well, just briefly, recall Abraham's journey. He was out in the land of Ur in Iraq somewhere, modern-day Iraq, and he's involved in a, uh, you know, a pagan religion, selling roots and carving roots into different idols. And, uh, you know, he was, he was not a God-fearing man. And all of a sudden, God comes his way. And begins to move on Abram. And, uh, you know, he takes his family and leaves from there and follows the leading of God into the promised land. And uh, that's the land that God gives him. And he's taken out of somewhere where he's familiar and brought to where he's unfamiliar. But he cannot opt out of that journey. He's driven by that. He is, he is drawn into another place that fits him eternally. Not just, uh, you know, a new place to live in a better economy. But he's, he's ordained to live within the boundaries of the promised land. That's his destiny, and God is bringing him to that place. And Brother Bram said the bride of Christ travels the same journey that Abraham did. I believe this, that, uh, that the bride of Christ, when God begins to get a hold of your heart, you know, you're in the world and we think we're doing okay, and then all, and I thought when I was in the world and living like my pictures indicate, I thought, hey, I was on the curve, I was pretty good. 
I hadn't hit anybody really hard. I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't robbed a bank. And there was a couple of things on that list, very short list, that I hadn't done. And so I thought, you know, on the scale or on the curve, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. And you think you're doing okay. You think you're, you're going you're gonna to make it compared to everybody else. But when it comes to conversion, God's not interested in what everybody else does. He doesn't grade you based on other people on your street or in your age category. As a matter of fact, we could say this, that when a person is born again, God begins a work in us that you never expected because it's walking in newness of life for the rest of your life until God changes your body and takes you over on the other side. Well, look at it this way. It doesn't take more than nine months normally for a baby to come from the mother. But it takes a lot longer for us to get the woman from the baby. Do you understand what I just said? The baby is going to come from the mother in a certain period of time, relatively short period of time. But it takes a lot longer for us to get the adult out of that child than it does for the child to come from the mother. And so God begins to develop, and God begins to shape and mold us, and God begins to mature us. And that's exactly what he did with Abram. All those uh, years and the journey that he took and the places that he stopped and the commandments that he was given and the tests that were in his life and the experiences and the trials that he had, all of that. And God was bringing something out of Abraham that Abraham never even knew was there. And Brother Branham said the bride of Christ travels the same journey as Abram did. And so therefore, our whole life, our whole experience, our whole Christian life is marked by travel. It's marked by movement. It's marked by growing and not remaining where we are. We never get to a place where things are static and they stop changing. There's always change. There's, there's change and decay stamped on everything related to this life And there is change related to us as Christians because God is developing us into the kind of people that he wants to snatch and take into his kingdom just as we are. Not physically, but God wants to take us just as we are into his kingdom and live that way forever. Do you believe that? Some of you are looking at me like first time you ever heard that. So, Brother Branham says this, that if we need an example about all of this and the journey and the migration, the process, he said, I I believe that God is in art, real art. God is in music. God is in nature. Do you believe that God's in nature? Do you believe that God's in music? God's not in all music, but God's in music. God is in his church. Do you believe that? God is just all around. If we look, God is all around. Again, he says in 1964, if you'd watch nature real close, you won't get too far from the word because God is in nature. Not nature interrupted, but nature the way God made it. The cycles and the systems that God put in the earth, the way that God made it, uh, it's exactly uh, in harmony. Watch nature, Brother Ram said, 1965. God and nature works in continuity because God is in nature. Part of the nature of the world around us, and God built this into certain animals, not all, but certain animals that they migrate. They say the animals that move the most in the world are the gray wolves. The animals that go the farthest are the caribou up in Canada because they migrate to the Arctic Circle to have their young. There's not many predators up there, and they have their young up there, and then they move uh, in, in a southerly direction after the children are a little bit older. But migrating animals maintain a fervent attentiveness to the greater mission. Now, God builds us in to these animals. They're not all, all, all animals don't do that. Dogs don't do that. Cats don't do that. 
It's too bad. But cats don't do that. Wouldn't it be great if your cats migrated and went to Mexico for six months of the year? Should I not have said that? Migrating animals, though, the ones that God put that sense in, they maintain a fervid attentiveness to the greater mission, which keeps them undistracted by temptations and undeterred by challenges that would turn other animals aside. When a migrating animal knows by instinct it's time to go, and animals will go for different reasons. They will go because, um, you know, they'll go because their food source dries up in a certain area, like waters dry up or fields dry up and they don't have green grass. So they'll move along and they'll follow the path of nature and they'll find green grass. So that's kind of, that's, that's a form of migration. But there's other animals who will leave because God puts a stirring in them uh, to go to a certain part of uh, their continent, maybe maybe even other continents in some places there, and then they'll reproduce or they'll have young there or there's a purpose there for them, and then they'll return back. Sometimes it even takes multiple generations for them to complete the migration in their life. It's, it's an incredible thing. But God gives certain animals, not all, this sense of migrating and leaving where they are. But they are so focused on this, Listen to me now. They are so focused on this mission that they are not deterred by other distractions or temptations that they see along the way. So, uh, you know, if, if these are wildebeest and they look and they see, wow, hey, listen, the farmer planted lots of corn last fall and it's all, uh, all growing up now. Why don't we stop and take a ride over there and store up some, uh, some fat for the winter? Uh, they don't do that. They kind of have blinders on their eyes. And they will focus on the journey that's ahead of them. And they will disregard most other things that take place around them. You know, they really don't matter. What really matters is the journey. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. I hope you don't, uh, you don't require a whole lot of explanation here. But I, I believe that with God's people, like Abraham, God put something in Abraham and said, Abraham, you don't belong here anymore. And there's an unrest in Abraham. And he's not going to have rest until he lands in that place that God leads him to. I believe the bride of Christ traveled the same way. And I think for us, hey, every other age, they got a messenger, they got a word that carried him through to the next age. Until the last age, when God, by his grace, gave us a message that will not end until we are crossed over on the other side. Your best tactic is to follow that leading and don't be distracted by everything else that goes on around you and get your eyes on the temptations here and there at world events and this is going on, the government saying this and all the other things that are distractions out there. Get your mind off that and follow him because he's leading us to another kingdom. God does not put this in everybody. God does not put this in every human being on earth. But God does put it in the elect so that when they get that mission revealed to them, hey, I'm not a child just of Frank and Betty Coffee, as you saw. I'm not just a, uh, you know, a Canadian or an American here. I'm not just born to live in the suburbs and have a station wagon and three or four kids. I'm a son of God. And God put me here for a purpose. And one of those purposes here describes my journey until my body is changed and then I have a place at the wedding supper. Our journey ends at the change of our body. Somebody somebody holler amen. Our journey ends and we take our seat over there in the wedding supper there. 
I'm thankful that we're on that journey. I'm thankful that God gave me that mission and spelled it out very clearly and brought a prophet and had that prophet point back in the Bible and show us exactly where it was and say, this is a journey not for everybody, but this is a journey for you. And God does a calling and a drawing in our hearts to, to be right, to get right, to do things in obedience to His Word and to follow every step of the way. Is it easy? Is it, is it, is it simple? Is it uh, without dangers? Absolutely not. We all can tell. And by virtue of your years of experience, you can tell that, that there are many dangers, toils, and snares. Many dangers, toils, and snares. But let me tell you, the one who sent you is the one that sees you through. Aren't you glad for that? Animal migration is the regular movement of animals from one region to another. Usually migrations are sometimes seasonal, but not always. It's different uh, from an animal's wandering in three ways. So migration now is a specific thing. It means the movement of greater distance than the animal normally travels within its home range. So this is not just, you know, a groundhog rolling around your yard and doing the things that they do. This is, this is a specific journey. Number two, it's a movement that is pur- pur- purposeful and directional. Hey, why are you here, Brother Barry? Because Brother Branham said you watch nature, you're not far from the word. And our journey is directional, our, 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 our journey, our migration is purposeful. We, we understand what the purpose is. We understand what the direction is. Migration is, is a movement that has a defined beginning and an end. Glory to God. That's exactly what a real migration is. It has a definite beginning and it has a definite end. I'm glad it has a definite end. And I'm glad that God's going to bring us to that place. For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years, when you begin to think about this, you find this in Scripture, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon. I've sent you down here. And after 70 years, I'm going to perform my good, I'll visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing to return to this place. How many would agree that's a kind of a migration? It's not the ordinary thing, right? This is not just a wandering around of people. This is God actually extracting his people out of Jerusalem and bringing them to Babylon. And he says, you're going to be locked down there until I come and visit you. Then I'm going to be bringing you back and I'll settle you back in the land again. And I will look after you over those 70 years that are down there. You won't all be destroyed. You won't all be lost. There was many of them that never came back. Many of them that stayed there. But I believe that the the ones that were ordained came back. Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, all of those that came back here uh, to Israel to reestablish the land again. But let me tell you, God was in it from the beginning. God was in it from the end. I believe in our journey. God's in it from the very beginning, and he's in it until the very end. God knows how to get you from point A to B. God knows what you have need of in the journey. God knows exactly what, uh, what you'll experience in that even before you get there. And listen, let me tell you, saints of God, I believe that God has blessings prepared for us. I believe that God has great things in store for us. The Bible says that eyes not heard, nor ears, uh, eyes not seen, ears not heard. What's in store for the people of God, right? The blessings are already prepared. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. They're already there. And he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And I'll bring you to that place. God does not bring us there and then come up with a reward. God has rewards already ready. And he prepares us for that place. And a lot of you who think, well, it should, God should have shut it down long before now. You have to be ready for that place and that reward before in the right time. Because doing things ahead of time is not always a blessing. It can be a problem. Hey, folks, the prodigal son 
got the right reward. He got the right inheritance. He just got it too early. He didn't know what to do with it. And it turned out to be a curse. Isn't that right? But he got the right inheritance. He got the thing that his father was going to give him, which is half of the father's goods. And he took that and went off into the land. But he didn't have the character or the brains or the, uh, you know, the, the, the understanding to be able to know what to do with that and squandered the whole thing. That's evidence that he, that he was not at the right age. And so God has a timing for all of us. And God knows what's in store. And I believe that God's already got it ready for us. But he has to prepare us in order to be able to inherit what God has for us over there. If we're going to rule on his throne, come on. If we're going to rule in his kingdom like the queen, if we're going to sit beside him on the throne, you have to go through some training. You have to go through some things that uh, God allows to happen so that, uh, you know, we can, uh, we, can, we can respond correctly over there. That we can do the right things that God would have us to do. And so, in Jeremiah chapter 29, he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I know where this is going to end. I know how it's going to come out. And then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. This whole journey, this whole process is something that God has, uh, has, has designed, He's aware of. And all the way from our new birth, all the way to the Father's house, let me tell you, God's got it in mind. Now, there's one characteristic that's common to all migrating animals in the world. And here it is. They watch the sun. All migrating animals do this. They, they don't have road maps. They have something built into them. Uh, that even if the earth changes, like this urban area, if they, if they fly down one year and then they come back another year, the roads are probably built and there's things change. And roads really mess animals up. No matter if it's in Africa or whether it's over here, roads really uh, mess animals up because it's, it's like, you know, you draw a line. Uh, you draw a line on, on the earth's surface. And all of a sudden you got uh, not only a strange line, but you got strange things on that line. Right, called trucks and buses and vehicles and all the other uh, things that are on that line. And it really messes up animals. But uh, they'll look at landmarks like buildings. They'll, they'll smell fields. They'll, they'll uh, you know, all of that stuff exists. And then next year they come and the field is gone. they got a housing development being built there. So the smell is no longer there. I thought when I came to this area there was a certain smell. And so all the landmarks and all the natural things in life can change. But the thing that's consistent for every migratory animal, oh, come on, somebody say amen. Amen. The thing that's consistent for every migratory animal is the sun. And they watch that sun, and they know they're going in the right direction. They know they're moving east or west or north or south. They know exactly that uh, that sun is going to be consistent, and nothing's going to change it. And so they'll keep their eye on the sun, just like we have to keep our eye on the sun and not take our eyes off of him. Because the moment you do, you're navigating by a world that changes continually. And it falls apart. And it's less stable the next year. It's, it's less uh, positive. It's less, uh, less, less solid. Uh, every, every time we take a look, every time we, you, you hear about things that are going on in the world, it's worse. I've been thinking about I was trying to, get, to try to get that link from Keith about the, uh, the, the teacher's meeting where they asked the woman to leave the parent-teacher's meeting because she was quoting material from the curriculum. Uh, that the kids were using in school and they put her out because she was using too much profanity, too much uh, immoral stuff she was talking about. And she was quoting from the curriculum the kids are, that they approved for the kids to use in the, in the class. You're going to have to give me that link. That's, that's, that's what you call insanity. 
Brother Bram said that people's mind, they, they would leave, they, people would lose their minds and carry on and not even know it, not even recognize it. And I will tell you something, in our world, we have to make sure that even though the terrain shifts, even though the horizon shifts, even though everything around us is shifting and changing, and it's not, we all would say the same thing, it's not like it was when I grew up, and it's not like it was 10 years ago. There are a lot of things that have changed, a lot of things that have uh, been moved around, a lot of things are gone forever. But the sun remains the same. And so the thing to keep your eye on is the sun. There are characteristics that are common to all migrations. Number one, they have a persistence. They're going to reject temptation. They're going to stay focused on the mission that God's given them. They're going to operate it in a linear way. They're going to get there the fastest, the most efficient way that they can to get to where they need to go. And they're going to be able to use all the resources that they can. That's why those Canada geese fly in the letter V is because they're, do, they're all doing their own thing. But when they do it, uh, they help each other on, on the journey. They're undistracted and they have special behaviors of preparation. Now, God gives them a desire, number one, but he also prepares them in allowing them to develop special muscles and special uh, bodily functions in order to be able to go. And they're given a little bit more energy to keep going uh, than the ordinary animal or in the season when there's no migration. Aren't you glad for this? Now, Brother Bram said, watch nature. He said, God is in nature. I'm thankful that God gives us a persistence. Because your kids will do funny things. Your church will do funny things. People in the message will do funny things. People in the message will do strange things sometimes. And you have, you have all kinds of strange things that are happening around us. But you know what? i got a mission. And I'm going to be faithful to that mission. And I'm going to do everything I can to get there. I'm going to remain undistracted by God's grace. And God gives us special behaviors of preparation. You know what? I believe that God carves out these little places where he prepares these people. They're called churches. And he gives them ministers, which are unusual vessels, unusual tools of preparation. Because sometimes the minister will, he'll, he'll lay things out the way that uh, he knows how to do it. And um, it, might, it might not be something you're expecting, uh, Nonetheless, but it's the thing you have need of at that time. And it doesn't always make you popular or wealthy. And everybody doesn't always pat you on the back. Some people say, I'm not even going to text him on his birthday. But nonetheless, it is God's unusual methods of preparation because he knows what you have need of just ahead. And then I thank God that God gives us more energy the normal. Because even when you go through church troubles and even when you go through difficulties in your life and even when you go through the hard things that we human beings go through, there's still some sort of a determination in there and an energy to pick it back up and get on the road again. How many of you have gone through, through things that you know would stop the ordinary person or would have stopped you before you knew Christ? Hey, I would have thrown on my hands and walked away. I would have given up. Everyone I knew gave up. But there's something in you that God ordains to be able to pick up and go back again. That's not you. That's Christ in you, giving you the energy that you need to get to where you need to go. This is not, your, this is not about you. This is about him getting his people to where they need to go. But watch this if you don't mind. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Your steps are actually ordained. They're chosen by God 
to go in a certain way. And God delights in his way. God delights in a man following that leading to get to where he needs to go. Now watch this for a minute. In 1956, Brother Branham was the night before explaining this in great detail. And as he often does, he recaps this and says, I was talking about medical science last night. He said, there's a chiropractor, there's an osteopath, there's a surgeon. And he said, all these other things in the medical field. And if they don't fight with one another, if they all tried to work together, what a great help it would be. What a great help it would be. If a doctor seeing the chiropractor could help, they'd be buddies together. They'd be buddies together on behalf of that patient. And the chiropractor could see it's past setting a bonus beyond what I can do. I appreciate it. I've gone to chiropractors before, and they looked at, I brought them my uh, disc, you know, not my disc, my D-I-S-K, not my D-A-I-S-C, but I, my D-I-S-K. And I brought them my disc, and, I, and they put it up on the screen, and they say, well, I can't touch this. And I always, I always like to shake the hand of a chiropractor who isn't going to try just because it's $39. And move that disc where it don't belong. I appreciate that. I went to a back surgeon one time because I had a back problem. And the back surgeon told me, he said, at the end of the appointment, and he looked at my disc, and he said, I'm the last person you want to come to. He said, you don't want to come to me. He says, you should, you should do everything you possibly can before you come to me. Now, I'm not giving you medical advice, all right, everybody? I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm just saying that this is what he told me, that the last thing you want to do is surgery. He said, try to work it out. Try to do it this way, this way. And, and here's what Brother Bram's telling us, that there are different approaches and there are different, uh, you know, uh, gifts that, that people have. And he says, uh, when the chiropractor recognizes it's beyond setting a bone, a bone. And then the osteopath finds out that his muscular condition can't be relieved. He said he'd have to have an operation, and we send him to the surgeon. He said, wouldn't that be great if they all work together? And say, all right, you're, now you've moved beyond what I can do. Now we'll go on to this guy here, and this guy here. He said, be great. He said, we probably have more solutions here. And that would be the way we should be. Now that's for the medical association. That's in terms of medical. Another quote, faith without works is dead. Now watch what he says. Now, Brother Osborne, Tommy Osborne, he can explain the word and lay it out so you can't keep from believing it. That's his gift. Tommy Osborne had a gift to be able to lay the word out in a, in a, a way that, my goodness, that's so plain, that's so wonderful. He said, mine is prophetic utterance. And that all, just like the eyes and the ears and so forth, it's all the body working together. So one minister has... Uh, a, a certain gift, and another one has a different gift here. Now, take that in, in, in the context of what I just had up on the screen about the different doctors. The whole goal is to make that patient the best they possibly can, right? To bring them to a place of wholeness or wellness. Now, Brother Manham's explaining to us that the ministry are not all the same. All ministers are not created the same way, and they all don't have the same gifts. They all don't have the same approach. But if their motive is right, and if they're God-called, the whole goal is to get that people that they minister to ready for the change of their body. I just happen to be me. And you're going to have to talk to God about that because it's me. Now watch what he says. And when you see God's body moving together like that, 
Why, it ought to make you so happy. And you know this last days, God's been doing these wonderful things for us. You ought to be so happy. You just go out of this building shouting anyhow. He said, that's a great thing when you see God's got a diversity. And in that diversity, God produces everything that you have need of. So you know what? We need the evangelist here. We need uh, the teacher here. We need uh, somebody who is inspirational. And we need the pastor here. And we need all of that because uh, just like you're a body that's not made up of noses. Imagine if all of your organs were noses. You'd say, Brother Barry, I smell something fishy. Because that's all you'd be able to do. All right? That's all you'd be able to do. So you, you need your ears as well. You need your thumbs as well. You need your bones as well. You need your knees as well. Uh, we need all of that. And God tempers it all together to make it work so that the body can go where it needs to go. I'll tell you what, I, I have spent my, my years not trying to criticize other people because they're not like me. But I will say this, that I have never ever tried to talk down to people as if we are unaware of what average people go through. Because behind your dress this morning, and behind your nicely done hair, and behind your, the car that you're driving and all of that, you're all facing problems that people in this world face. Problems with health. Problems with money. Problems with job futures. Problems with deciding where to go and what to do in life. Problems with how to raise your children in a filthy world. Problems with deciding what should we allow in our house and what should we not allow in our house. And all of you are going through different phases of that process. Are you with me? And I know that. And for some reason or another, and I can't tell you how or why, in the same way that God laid it on Tommy Osborne's heart, gave him a gift to be able to lay the word out in a certain way, and then made Brother Branham to do uh, his part in a, in a different way. But it comes together, and it makes a better person overall. I, I, don't, I don't know why or I don't know how, but God laid it on my heart to be able to look at you in a way that, you know what, I'm really not any different than you, and I'm not above you, and I, I, don't, I don't believe that uh, just preaching, and this is going to really sound funny, and I get a lot of criticism for taking this stand. But I want to tell you today anyway, because it's part of my journey, that there's a lot of people who feel like, well, if I just preach doctrine, if I just preach mysteries, everything will turn out okay. Now, I don't believe that that's wrong. I don't believe that preaching mysteries is wrong. I love to preach those things too. But you'll find that those people who are, uh, you know, who um, ordinary people in ordinary churches everywhere they st- even if they have all the mysteries, they still have problems in life. They still will get a job layoff, or they'll still have financial uh, pressures, or they'll still have problems in their relationships in homes. And to me, what we really need to have is ministry that ministers to all of that. That's how I viewed it. So we'll bring in preachers that preach a certain way, and another preacher that preaches a certain way, and I do that on purpose. I I pray very carefully about who comes here when I'm not here or comes here when I am here uh, because I believe that you need to have the whole experience, not just the one part that I can give. I believe you need the whole experience. Somebody say amen. Don't leave me out here hanging. Because Brother Bram said when you see God's body moving together, he said that ought to make us happy. There ought to be, there ought to be the right things happen when we minister the right way to God's people. 
And you have to do it according to your gift that God's given to you. Everybody obviously doesn't need to be here. But I, I believe this, that I would never criticize another man because they're more evangelistic than I am. Or somebody who's louder and sweats more than I do. I've watched those, I've watched those brothers preach. And water's running off their tie at the end of the service. And I thought, wow, man, how do they do that? You know, how do they do that? And I, I just, I, I'm just not built that way. I'm just not that way. Sorry. Not example, but. I, I remember it was a brother at the Winter Youth Retreat one time. He was preaching on David and Goliath. And uh, he was impersonating Goliath after David hit him in the head with a rock. And he fell flat on his face, right? This is what the Bible says. The giant fell down. David cut off his head. And, and he fell flat on his face on the platform. And I, I, I had a front row seat, and I was watching. How did he do that? I'm glad I'm not called to do that because that would be a different story altogether. Be a different, be a different ending of the sermon altogether. But he, he could illustrate that in such a great way. All I'm saying to you is this, is that in the same way that God will deal with a, an elephant in their migration is different than how God will deal with the, uh, with the caribou in their migration and how God will deal with it. But you know what? God's in it all because he wants to get those animals to where they need to be. And they may not have all the answers for why it all happened the way that it did, but you know what? They got to where they needed to go, and that's the point. That's the whole thing. And you need to understand that God, uh, you know, he's not just shooting from the hip here. He's not just, uh, you know, not just, uh, you know, hoping everybody makes it and throws us all out uh, wherever we would want to go. Let me tell you, God's got, uh, God's got a pattern for your life, and God's got a way of, uh, of building on things and bringing you to where you need to be. You, you just need to be sensitive to him and let him lead you and let him, let him bring you to where uh, God can supply exactly what you have need of for the rest of the journey. That's exactly what you, you need to do because I'll tell you what, he knows a, a whole lot better than we actually know it. Brother Branham says in the in this Hebrew series, he says, we've been getting up about 4 o'clock in the morning, Brother Woods and I going out in the morning squirrel hunting. And I praise him under every tree I've come to, and I can't see a tree without, without praising him. And he said, think, he grew that tree, and he, grew, he saw that little grasshopper fly up, and he knows that grasshopper. I'm thankful Brother Branham said statements like this. And he said, I know that little grasshopper. Oh, nonsense, Brother Bill. Oh, no, it isn't. He said, he knows where every squirrel is. And he knows where every butterfly is. He knows where every butterfly is. Hey, this is Brother Branham saying that. When butterflies migrate, they tend to congregate in the south, down towards uh, Mexico and the southern U.S. here. And they're all over, they're, there's all kinds of them down there. They'll even die in the migration, the butterflies do. And their children that are born to the buff, bu- butterflies, they'll raise up and continue on in the same migration. They, they, they have it in them to follow in the migration even if mom and dad die. It's an amazing thing because they're ordained to do this. And this is what's written about them. Animal migrants do not respond to sensory inputs from resources that would readily elicit responses in other circumstances. In other words, these animals are just going to get there. That's what they're focused on. They're just going to get there. It can rest later, eat later, mate later. Right now, its implacable focus is the journey. Say it with me. The journey. Say it with me. The journey. 
its individual intent is arrival. I need to arrive at this particular place. And God puts this whole concept of journey, burns it in their heart, and allows them to be able to find that place and persevere until they get there. It's the journey. It's all about the journey. It's all about you getting from where you are in this life to where God has ordained you to be. And that process is what's ongoing in our lives. I will tell you, saints of God, the very best thing that we can do is do like Paul said many years ago when he wrote the book of Philippians and he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this thing I do. I've not made it. I've not come to the end of my journey. But this thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto those things which are before. And I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God will reveal this even unto you. The very best thing you can do is take verse 14 and write it down and put it on your fridge and put it near your steering wheel. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's the journey. Say it with me. The journey. It's the journey that God's got you on. And for me, it's been a, a journey. That journey hasn't ended. I've, crossed, I've turned a corner here socially. That's all. I've turned it socially. Because society says certain things about that. But hey, listen. The only time that we lay down our burden is when we cross over on the other side and you're standing in a new body. And then the only obligation you'll have is to retire in joy, and retire in peace, and retire in tranquility, and retire in an environment where there's no devil. That's all we'll have to do on the other side. That'll be your only job, your only work over there is to retire. One time in conversation, somebody asked Brother Branham, said, uh, you know, what, what will you do when you get over on the other side? And Brother Branham answered him and said, well, he says, what you do in this life is indicative of what you're going to do in that life. And he said, Really? And uh, Brother Bram said, yeah, God, God shapes you a certain way, and what you do over here uh, is going to be indicative of what you uh, do on the other side for all eternity. Oh, and this man who was a preacher asked Brother Bram, said, well, what will preachers do? There's no preaching salvation over on the other side. There's no redemption, no, no altar calls on the other side. Brother Bram said, you'll simply be a herald for the king. You'll be a herald for the king on the other side. So in other words, you'll be continually announcing, whenever he shows up, you'll be announcing, here comes the king, here comes the king. Because God's given you a voice and he's, got, he's given you, a, uh, you know, a, a recognition of the king and to know what's God and what's not God. And he said, you'll be a herald of the king. You'll announce his arrival on the other side. I thought, wow, that's a noble occupation they have on the other side. I'll take that. I'll do that. I don't know what you truck drivers are going to do over on the other side. I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, not really sure about that, but nonetheless, I'll tell you what, I'll take the job of being a herald for the king over on the other side. My job, though, until I take that role, is to press toward the mark, to press towards that place. I don't want to receive my blessing too early. I don't want to receive it too late. I want to have everything that God has for me, and I want him to be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I brought you from the gutter. I brought you from the mud of the earth. I brought you from the slop of this, uh, this cosmos and brought you to where you are today by my grace. And you followed that. And I could lead you and you'd respond to that. It wasn't always easy. You're misunderstood. 
people don't understand why you do what you do and why you say what you say and all the other things about me that are weird and odd and everything else, but that's because God sent me to you. But I will tell you this, that I want God to be able to say, but you followed where I led you. You went where I told you to go. You did what I asked you to do. I want him to be able to say that in my life. And I want, him, I want to have that sensitivity to be able to continue to do that all the days of my life. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel about it. I feel more passionate about it now than I did when I began. I feel more serious about it now than when I began. You say, do you have any regrets, Brother Barry, after 40 years or so of ministry and coming to this uh, social marker in time? My only regret is that I didn't begin sooner, but that really wasn't up to me. And the only other thing is that I would have been more sincere in my early days to, to realize that this is not just a job that God's given you, but it's, it's a life that God wants you to live, a, God where, a life where God wants you to impress upon others the, the good things that God can do in a life and take somebody out of the gutter and turn them around and then use them for the kingdom and to be able to affect so many lives. I'll tell you what, if I, if I, if I, and I try to do this. I try to do this with men. I try to do it with young people. That the very best thing you can do is surrender quickly, surrender completely, and watch what God will do with you when he takes you. Your career, your degree, your salary is really not the main thing. Your IRA is not paramount. Your attainments in this life, the size of your house and the year of your vehicle is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that whatever he says, you're willing to carry it out. Because the path of the elect is just like the path of Abraham. And Abraham believed everything the voice told him. And God accounted unto him for righteousness. When I look in my bank account for righteousness, I hope I see deposits made in there. And those come because you obey God what he's told you to do. I would rather be laying up treasures up there than having it down here. And have it perish when the world perishes. I th- I'm thankful for what I have. I'm thankful for air conditioning. I'm thankful for uh, you know, a lovely congregation and all the, all the amenities that we have. And the ability to be able to live in one state and come to another state. And be able to minister on a regular basis. And to be able to do that. I'm thankful for good health and strength. I'm thankful that I, I, you know, I'm not propped up by medication, and I, I'm not saying that critically. I, I, I'm thankful that I've enjoyed good health, even though I've abused my body in lots of different ways and travel over too many time zones and all the rest of it and neglected probably good care. But uh, I, I'm thankful that I'm able to still function. I'm able to still think fairly straight and, and able to, uh, you know, to be able to travel and minister and to be able to help people. And when a crisis arises like the people in Ukraine or a need for books in the world or whatever else is going on, men's meetings or whatever else is going on, I'm thankful that I'm able to play a part. little part, but I'm glad, I'm glad to be able to play a part. And when I'm gone, some, some of you hopefully will be trained and uh, you know, uh, exposed to things that you can carry on and do the same kind of work. And, and who knows how long this thing is going to go on. Who, who? We never thought we'd come to where we are, but we are here We are here. It is what it is. So God doesn't say serve until a certain time and then you can coast. We don't find that anywhere in Scripture. I'm thankful that I've survived all the church dinners I've survived over all the years. All that fried chicken over all those years, I'm still able to function. I'm thankful for that. Church dinners will kill you. Eventually. 
I'm thankful for you folks. I'm thankful for your faithfulness. And hey, the devil doesn't leave us alone. He, he doesn't like what God's done here. He doesn't like what God's done here. He doesn't like what, uh, what we've been able to do by his grace. And I, when I say we, I mean that with a capital W, with all of us working together and pulling together. I'm thankful for what the size of our church has been able to do around the world. And the stewardship and the responsibility that people have taken to help and get things done. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my wife and her faithfulness and all of what we've had to juggle and deal with and um, the responsibilities that go with raising a family. And thankful for, you know, my family, still all my boys serving the Lord. And, and that's just a great, a, to me, a great blessing to be able to see them serve the Lord and continue to carry on because my, my ceiling... My ceiling should really be their platform. Right? My ceiling, how far I can go, should be the place they step off and carry on and do their work in life. I'll only go as high as my ceiling, and then it'll be for them to carry on and raise their families and serve the Lord in the capacity God's given to them. I don't want them to have to go and relearn everything after I'm dead and gone and say, well, now that Dad's here, I can change what I, how I conduct myself. No, I'd rather, I'd rather be able to live in such a way that they can step right off and move on into their married lives and raising their families and serving God in the capacity. I want that for all of you. And, I, you know, you want to be able to make the mark on people and you want to be able to do it sincerely, not, not for any other reason uh, than to know that that's, that's what the effect of the gospel should be to be able to affect lives, to be able to impart peace and hope, and to be able to pray for one another, and to extend grace. Because when I look at those pictures of myself, and when I look at what I did and the way I lived in those years, all I see is the word grace. All I see is the word amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. And I had a co-worker back then <coughs> um, in my early years, and I'll stop. We'll have our musicians come and they'll that they'll slide up here graciously. I had a co-worker who worked with me, and I worked in a printing com- publishing company way back in the 1980s. And uh, this woman came from, because we were a national publisher, she came and joined our staff from Ontario somewhere, and she came down and lived there and she, do, she said, I want, let's go out to lunch. I was the manager of the company, and she was a new employee there, and she was much older than me, but she said, I want to know who you are. I want to hear your story. So she, we went to lunch, and uh, she, she said, tell me a little bit about you. And I began to tell her my story, and it wound up. I, I told her the whole Bound for Glory thing and told her all my past. And she just sat. I mean, we went. It was about a two-and-a-half-hour lunch. It was great. And... She listened and listened, never said a thing to me. She just looked and, and uh, you know, just was very interested. I could tell she was bored. She was very interested. And at the end of it, she made this one statement to me, and it always stayed with me. She said, you know what? She said, if God could save you, he could save anyone. And she said, I have a nephew who's in a similar state as what you were. And she said, you've given me great hope today. Because I have members of my family in varying conditions, but this one nephew who's really, really lost and really out there on the edge. And she said, if God could do that for you, God could do that for him, couldn't he? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. I said, you just have to get him in contact with the God that I serve. And I said, uh, you know, you pray that that will happen. 
And, uh, but I, you know, I, when I look at those pictures and I hear these stories and I hear the, uh, you know, when I get an opportunity to share them at all, I just, I just think of the word grace. It's the only thing that I think of because it's totally undeserved. I didn't do anything in those days for God to come say, huh, now that's a guy I can use. That's a guy I got my eye on. Hey, the only way people had their eye on me was to make sure their children got out of my path. That when I showed up at the door, they put the kids back in the other room. I had nothing in my life to offer to God. I had nothing to give to God. But God can take a life like that when it's surrendered, and God can use that person for great things. And I tell you what, that's only by the grace of God. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stop and say that. The journey of the righteous is a fantastic thing. There's many, many different interesting parts about that journey and about how God's migrating us to a certain place. It's not all science and it's not all biology. It's what God puts in those animals to disregard everything around them and just focus on the destiny. And God's put exactly the same thing in us. Wouldn't take nothing from a journey. I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. Gotta make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tempts me and he tries to turn me around. Oh, he's offered everything that's got a name. All the wealth I want and worldly fame. If I could still, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Oh, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Gotta make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tempts me and he tries to turn me around. Oh, he's offered everything that's got a name, all the wealth I want and worldly fame. If I could still, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Well, I started out traveling for the Lord many years ago. I had a lot of heartaches, had a lot of grief and woe. When I would stumble, then I would humble down. And I could say, thank the Lord, I would take nothing for my journey now. Well, I would take nothing for my journey now. Gotta make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tempts me and he tries to turn me around. He's offered everything that's got a name, all the wealth I want and worldly fame. If I could still, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Gates with thanksgiving in my heart, I will enter its ports with praise. We'll say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Oh, He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad.
a revelation that you don't belong here and all of a sudden there's this drive that begins and picks up and forces us to move let's sing that little uh chorus that uh that song i'm gonna make it he's already said i would uh, let's sing that together this morning before we leave and we got dinner prepared for everybody i think it's a surprise but uh we got a, a lovely dinner for everybody and we're <laughs> looking forward to that it's always good they'll kill you in the end the church dinners but what a way to go what a way to go I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Not, not, not because of me, but I'm going to make it because of him. And that's our theme. That's our, that's our song. And I'm thankful for that. Let's sing it this morning here before we close in prayer. I'm going to make it. He already said that.
that he's working everything for my good and he walks beside me heaven is in my oh I'm gonna make it let's bow our heads together Heavenly Father what a great glorious promise Lord that you leave with us today You've already determined certain things, Lord. And even when you stood here on the earth, you said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. They can be buried so deep in the world and buried deep in the darkness of the dirt of this world, but no man can pluck them out of your hand. We have been yours for all eternity, and therefore we must be with you throughout all eternity. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder that our service in this life is only a response to your grace. Lord, you've already paid the price. You've already met the need. You've already satisfied the law of a righteous God. And Lord, our desire is just to be a herald for the King, just to be a a voice, just to be a witness and to share what we know. May every one of us, Lord, learn to do that. May every one of us find our place, Lord, no matter what it is. Ministry, laity, Lord, musician, officer of the church, whatever our position is, Lord, may we do it to the very best of our ability so that at the end of our road, you can say to all of us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I just want to say, Lord, I love you and I thank you for the way you've led me and I thank you, Lord, for bringing me to where I am today. I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for my family, my wife. I thank you, Lord, for all you've allowed us to be able to participate in. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I commit this next part of our journey now to you. And no doubt, Lord, our world will continually change and deteriorate. But, Lord, your grace is always sufficient. Help me, Lord, I pray, to instruct families to put you first. Lord, may I always, may I endeavor forever to keep your word as an absolute. And may nothing mar that absolute. I pray, dear God, that you would bless this assembly. May, Lord, we experience your leadership, your supernatural presence every time we meet. Forgive us of our failures, our weaknesses, mistakes we've made. And Lord, may we learn to extend great grace to one another. Bless our afternoon of fellowship now. and Lord, I I just pray that we would just be able to relax and enjoy all that's provided for us. And we'll give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Bless those who are sick. Bless those who are hurting. Bless those who are struggling to hold on to life. All of our... church members that are traveling, Lord, in different places, I just ask that you'd be present with them. We'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless the Lord.
God bless you. Thank you for being here. For he has done great things. He has done great things. Yes, he has done great things. Bless his whole. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. 